Okay, so, um, so uh, today we pick up, today's stop is uh, Yid Aleph, 11, um, and we pick up at the Mishnah in the middle of Yid Aleph, Amad Aleph, um, and uh, let's take a look. We've been dealing with the Beit of Beit and Beit Shammai in terms of, um, in terms of uh, issues relating to your pigeons and your chickens and your hens, but now we turn to more general debates um, around yuntas, um, still primarily around issues that connect to uh, eating, uh, eating meat. But let's take a look. Beit Shammai says, You don't take the ali, which is a, um, which is the, uh, um, I think it's the pestle, which is the one that you do the banging with. Pestle. That's the pestle, the not the motor. It's the motor of the bowl. So you don't take the pestle and you use it. Apparently, it's like it's big and it has got you know. I guess it's big enough and flat enough, and you could use it as a cutting board. You don't. You can't use it as a cutting so board. Is it a block? What? Yeah, I mean, it's not a butcher block. It's normally used to to to, to crush spices. But you want to repurpose it as a as, you know as a cutting board. So that's the problem about a kalishem lachdol the iser, right? A vessel that's normally used for doing something you're not allowed to do because even on yuntiv you can't grind spices. Although interestingly, we will learn to the fact that there actually are sometimes you might be able to grind spices on yuntiv. But for now, we'll assume it's lachdol the iser. Okay. So Beit Shammai says that you can't use it for uh, cutting meat. Beit Hillel Matir. Beit Hillel allows it. Now Tosos, by the way, is very bothered with the fact that Beit Shammai forbids it because he says like we have never heard that even Beit Shammai look the first mission of Beit Shammai was actually quite lenient but now that they fall back to their standard positions you know the Gemara sort of dealt with this like two days ago that was the Daf that Charlie covered that Beit Shammai pretty consistently from now on is going to be strict in Mukta matters and they were lenient in the first Mishnah but let's bracket the first Mishnah Beit Shammai is going back to their general position about being strict in general and strict by Mukta matters so, so still we've never found anybody that really says that a Kli Shemlach Iser just something that you would normally use for a you know for a forbidden purpose you cannot use for a mutter purpose like for example the classic example is using a hammer to crack nuts right now that's different than muktza muktza means it's off limits something I generally wouldn't move or wouldn't touch you know something I have no use for something that normally I do have a very common use for except I can't do it because it's yantim okay but you can reuse it for something else so Tosus wants to think that maybe according to Beit Shammai because he doesn't want to assume that Beit Shammai would have a problem with that in, in general that maybe this is a type of a thing that's like chisar and kiss it's like expensive and to use it in this way you're afraid you might damage it and that's the concern alright so that was a type of a muksa issue now we get to other issues and again we quoted this before you shafted an animal on Yantav and as we're going to see in the Gemara part of the concern here is is what latitude do we give you in order to make it not possible for you to shecht an animal? Because if you're going to shecht the animal and not be able to do something to preserve the skin or to make sure the skin doesn't get ruined, that's a, an enormous loss of, of money, right? So skin can turn into leather and so on. So what type of latitude are we going to give you there? So Beishamah doesn't give you too much latitude. He says, you shechted it, it's wonderful, but you cannot take the skin and put it in front of people that will trample on it because that would be a way of sort of, you know, if you put it in front and people are walking over it as your front mass, so they're not intentionally working it, right, which would really be a problem on Yantiv to do ibud on the, on, the, on the skin. But the result is, is that it gets pressed and that it's, uh, um, and that it doesn't get, ru- and that, it, you know, it, it, does, it won't ruin. The lo yagbi henu, and he also says it's moktza. 
It has no use on Yantav. And therefore you can't lift it up unless there's still a piece of meat on it. Then you can lift it up because of the piece of meat. But otherwise it's Muktzah. Well, Beitil Amatir, and Beitil says that's not Muktzah, and he says that you can put it in front of people, as we saw before, because it does have a use. It actually can function as a mat. That's why it's not Muktzah. And presumably the fact that you want to put it there so that, so that with, you know, unawares, it'll help preserve it, that basically gives you that, la- that latitude because that'll make it easier for you to shech the animal on Yantif. Okay. Um, yeah, the so thing is, you're not, you're, it's more of a grummer. The people that are walking on it are oblivious, and you, who's the one who's putting it on, is not walking on it. So, that's you're more... You're not doing the action. Exactly. You're putting it down, and other people are walking on it, and they're, so, you know, they're more like nitase. They're like oblivious to the indirect thing yeah. that's being created. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a look. It's also raised, like, interesting questions about, like, if one person goes on it, is that really ebud? It's really the whole process and how, therefore, do you look at the act of one individual person in terms of things like you're saying, like, speak Reisha. It's all interesting question, like, combing your hair on, uh, on Shabbos, you know, so, so the uh, reason you can't do it, I mean, whatever, there's, like, uh, body says, maybe you can but anyway it's generally assumed that you can't do it with a, like a fine comb because it'll pull out hair yeah, yeah, yeah. but let's say in every individual stroke yeah. it's not a psikresha it's only a psikresha over the course of the process right you consider that to be a psikresha or not you know so anyway alright let's take a look at the Gemara Tana so back to this uh, mortar the Shavim they agree um, once you're done using it then you can't move it. You know, that even when Beitillo gives you a latitude, it's only when you have a legitimate use. Once you're done, they do agree in principle that it's mutza, either because like a klisham lachtul iser, or because of, what do you call it, or because it's, um, or because as Tozo said, it's chisar and kiss and so on. All right. Now, again, it's a little bit vague here because it sounds like asur for any purpose. And that the only reason Beitil, again, is letting you do it is, again, this whole idea of to make it easier to give you latitude when it comes to shechling an animal and, and, and dealing with meat. But, you know, it's strange, again, because if you assume it's just a klisham lachdalis, or you could use it for other purposes, mm-hmm. okay? But anyway, it reverts to being muktza. I had thought that maybe one of the things that it's saying is that after you're done chopping meat on it, it's like muktza machmas you know, it's got, especially, like, we have nice, clean meat that we get in the packages. But if you imagine, you know, the type of shopping meat. Anyway, okay, once you're done, you can't use it anymore. Amar Baye, said Abaye, Machloket Ali. The debate is about this, like, uh, mortar. Um, garmi, which literally means a bone breaker, okay, which uh, presumably is like a classic butcher block, classic thing used for cutting meat. And again, not just cutting the meat, but, you know, you would chop the bones on it as well. You'd get up, you like, hatch it. And, you know, really, like, uh, uh, to, you know, chop things up. So, Diviyakol Mutter. Everybody would agree it's permissible. So, you know, so, so the Gemara says, Pshita, of course, Ali Tanan. The Mishnah says we're talking about a mortar. And also, the other, besides what the Mishnah says, like, why shouldn't you be able to use that? That's a normal use, and that's a permissible use, Sanyantiv. Maybe Beit Shammai also doesn't even allow you to use a, like a butcher block. The Hadik Tani Ali, so why do you give the example about using a mortar to chop meat on? Well, to tell you how, how lenient Beit Hillel is. That even something, and there's the Gemara using that phrase against Tosos, that even something that normally is used for forbidden purposes is permissible. Okay, so Beit Hillel is very lenient, but Beit Shammai, Kamash Malan, but the Shammai maybe would forbid you even to use a butcher block. Now, 
Okay, that's a possible read of the Mishnah, but that's crazy. Why not? So the next statement will make it clear. Igadami, some say, Amar Abai, that here's what Abai said to explain why he emphasized that the debate was by the, uh, was by the mortar, the Ali. Lo nitzucha el afilus havagavra. Afilus havagami chariti. By chidushin, that Beit Shammai would allow you to use a butcher block and even a new butcher block. And here, there makes sense why you might have thought they might not allow you to use it. I might think that, oh, I'm going to now ahead and mess up my beautiful, pristine new butcher block. I'm not going to use it today. I'll wait till, you know, maybe I'll start by cutting vegetables on it, which are nice and clean. I'm not going to start with you know, messing it up like this. Kamash Milan, that we're not concerned. Okay, so, whereas the Gemara before did not give a good reason why anybody, even a, a Machmir Beit Shammai, wouldn't let you, want to let you use a butcher block, what my Havamina would have been. Here there is a Havamina. The Havamina is if it's brand new, maybe Beit Shammai shouldn't let you use it because you'll change your mind. Now, what would be the worst thing about changing your mind? So, this becomes very strange in that, you know, remember before when we had the whole thing with the, with the, uh, with the uh, pigeons, that you have to uh, make the right, you know, designated particular ones. And you'll come and you'll take one and you'll change your mind and you'll take the other. Okay, but there, if you took the other and you didn't use one, it would turn out that the one you didn't use was considered muktza. That was the assumption. But here, why would it be muktza? Okay, you didn't use it, but still it's a butcher block. So I suppose you could say that if the reason you didn't use it is because you didn't want to ruin it, then you're showing that you consider it to be mukta. You consider it to be like a, you know, chisar and kiss. Like, if it's, you're not ready to take it out of its packaging, for you, I have this whole fight with my wife. Like, I buy these uh, extra shirts and I keep them in the packaging and I don't want to open them until I really need them because once they're out of the packaging, like, that's it. Then they, you know, but no, sis was like, but she's like, this, why are you keeping the packaging? You take it out of the packaging, you put it in the closet so you can use it. But no, like, for me, until I'm ready to use it, it's mukta. <laughs> I don't know if it's a logically it's mukta. But obviously, I bought it to be used, but until I'm ready to use it, I'm not touching it. Okay, so anyway, so maybe you could have said that if you feel you're not ready to use it then it's like muksa that doesn't sound like that's the issue right whatever anyway it doesn't sound Lashi sounds the whole issue is is then it's like tircha but what's the tircha I picked up a butcher block and I changed my mind so it's very strange even though the Gemara because the Gemara the concern is are we concerned you'll change your mind but it takes it for granted that if you change your mind it was a problem not so clear what the big problem is. So look, yeah, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, right, um, where's Rashi? Uh, yeah, where is it? Hold on. It's right underneath uh, the Gimel man for the Gimel. Right. Right. You went to effort for no, for no big deal. How much effort was it to take the butcher block? Now you have to put it back. You take something else to cut on. I don't know. But that's fascinating that the Gemara is somehow concerned you'll wind up having moved it for no purpose. And uh, it's not now moving a muksa without, without it be, is, is a problem. But just stop moving something around with no purpose is not so clear what the big concern is. Okay, did you want to say something there? Or? I, I understand that. I want to understand how much tircha we're talking about. Maybe. All right, let's take a look as the Gemara continues. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Uh, um, right. The So the Gemara says, Are you telling me Beishamai isn't concerned that you might change your mind and therefore you won't let you do certain things because you might change your mind? That time we talk in the bright. So Beishamai Omrim. 
You don't take the um, you know you don't take the uh, the, but, the the butcher and the knife to the animal to get it shechted. You don't take the animal towards the butcher and the knife. So according to him, you could only shecht it, I guess, if they happen to be in the same place. It's again not exactly clear. Presumably, it means that there would be a concern of tircha. That you know, meaning malichin means you have to shlep them. It's not like the butcher comes from next door. So presumably, they're concerned that you would change your mind and not shecht the behema, and then you brought me all the way out here from the name, you know, from from two miles away, and now you change your mind. It could also, by the way, be the Ron suggests that you're taking them across Rishas Harabim. And then it becomes a debate we're going to see very soon between Beit Hill and Beit Shammai about how much latitude do we give you for carrying on Yantav. That Beit Shammai has many more uh, criteria, you know, he doesn't give like a blanket allowance for carrying on Yantav. So then, if that's true, and it turns out it was not of need, it was carrying. Now, of course, you didn't carry the butcher, but presumably means, with, according to this, you mean the butcher with his knife. So he would have wound up carrying the knife. So it's either a caring concern or it's a schlepping concern. And you don't do it because maybe you'll change your mind. Um, yes, you can bring them one to the other. You can bring the butcher to the bame and the bame to the butcher. Um, so that's one example. The other, you don't bring, now this does not seem to be a Rishosharam custom, but maybe it is. Maybe malichin means across the street. But you don't bring spices or the, um, and the, uh, and the uh, grinder towards uh, the uh, pestle to the mortar. I think I got that right. I think the madoch is yes. The madoch is no. The madoch is the pestle. The madocha is the is the the pestle is the grind is the thing you bang with, right? Okay. So right. Okay. Good. That's a good mnemonic. Okay. So you don't bring the spices and the pestle to the mortar. Um, or the mortar to the place where you got the spices and the pestle. So again, either that would be like a schlep, you're not just borrowing it from your next door neighbor, or it would be a Rishus Harabin problem. You can't. And again, so why does Beit Shammai not allow you? Because, even though in principle it would be okay if you went through with it, but you might change your mind, and then you'll have carried or you will have schlepped for no purpose. So the Gemara says, so you see Beit Shammai is concerned. So, uh, that you'll change your mind. So, hachi What type of comparison is that? Bishlema behema. I get an animal where Frey will change your mind. Afilam luche. You'll change your mind. Amar nishpak hai behema kichusho. Maisina behema chrisi deshmena. No, I don't want to do this animal. It's too scrawny. Let me get a fatter animal. Deshmena mine. Kedera uh, nami. Also, the issue about the pot, meaning the reason you're grinding spices is to make it part of, you know, putting your pot and in your stew. There's good, you know, there's many circumstances that you would change your mind. I mean, you know what? Forget this recipe that needs all these fancy spices. I'm going to make a different recipe that doesn't need all this grinding and doesn't need all these spices. So therefore, there's a lot of scenarios you'll change your mind, and we're concerned about the consequences, kircha, caring, or whatever. Hacha, Michael Maymar, what are you going to say here? You'll change your mind and you won't use the butcher block? Mimloch Vilotava, you're going to change your mind and not chop the meat? Keep it to it's Virakaima. You have a shechted animal, you've got to chop the meat. So, you know, the likelihood that you're going to say, I don't want to use the brand new butcher block, 
what I, you got to use something so we're not so concerned that you're really going to change your mind and therefore even Beit Shammai would agree although Beit Shammai generally is concerned you'll change your mind and the consequences here he's not but again what is the exact issue here what the, what the Tircha is is not so clear yes but, Michael but if you're saying it's not necessarily an issue why don't you shoot the Rav so it goes you know so according to Beit Shammai so if I'm making an addition some of the neighbors that I don't have I can't go there because maybe I'm going to change my mind again so the question is what's the threshold of Tircha right I mean you know if you, if you can shech animals on which we know from the first mission by Shammai says so you have to be able to bring the animal to the to the shochet one way or the other I mean unless you say he says only, only you yourself can shech it which we, I don't think we, we've ever heard you know so you have to figure out what is the threshold of, of, of molichin molichin has a sense of, sense of like greater degree of conveyance not just you know not just going next door okay let's take a look so that's the issue about the uh, chopping on the mortar and chopping on the, on the chopping block, or chopping on the pestle, excuse me. You don't put the leather in front of people that will walk on it, and that the leather is muktza. So saying muktza is one thing, um, but, you know, and th- but this also has the consequence here of, again, uh, the, the leather may be going to waste. Tana, we call the Brisa. The Shavin, they agree, Shemokhin Allah Vasar Litzli. So here's a trick Beit Shammai lets you do. He doesn't let you put it on by, uh, by the front door and as a map that people will walk on it. But if the meat is still connected to the skin, then you can salt the meat because as if you would now take the meat off and put it on, on, on a spit and roast your meat. And the fact that as you're salting the meat, some of the salt also hits the skin, and that's a way in which they would do ebud, right, that they would work the skin and, you know, work the leather so that it would get suck out the, 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 uh, the, the, the water and preserve it that would be okay, that even though incidentally, and obviously with some degree in your mind, that would be the result. Now, I have to tell you, that's quite bizarre, because, you know, the example I gave before, you're the one that puts it down, other people walk on it, other people are oblivious, but here, you're doing a trick, you know you're doing it because some of the salt is hitting. So, it's like, why you're isn't that a problem? And you're doing it, and you want that to happen, so who are you tricking? I mean, why don't we t- apply categories like it's even a little bit of meat carving because you're hoping that the salt will hit the meat so I, it will hit the skin so I, I, I really don't understand how, how this works like how this is not a problem what? right now maybe the issue is that the skin the, the, the salt um, it's not like some falls on the side and the stuff that falls on the side is evil maybe it's that even the salt that hits the meat once the salt is being absorbed in the meat, like in an indirect way, is also having the effect on the skin. But it's not like doing two things. It's basically doing this thing with the meat, and something else is also resulting. Or, like, again, you could say that it's not evil. Like, if I put one drop of salt on some leather, even let's say I did it with the intention of ebud, is that ebud? Maybe ebud is like a, you know, it requires a larger process. So it could be that even when the salt falls incidentally and it has the right effect, it doesn't fall into the halakhic category of ibud. But it's not like if I happen to turn on a light, that's, you know, it could be a tiny act and it's made of fire. Ibud actually is, you know, a, like at what stage are you considered, for example, you can't launder your clothes. At what stage is it considered laundering? You know, is putting a drop of water on, is soaking it in water, is rubbing it together. So even though salt has a positive effect, it might not be, a little salt that falls incidentally might not be enough to define as ebud. But it is not so clear, like, why this is allowed. And here, even Beit Shammai allows it. Amar Abaye, 
By the way, in terms of the idea of salt for roasting, um, Tosos goes out of his way very often. The Gemara often refers to a small amount of salt for roasting because as opposed to salting for cooking, when you are going to cook it in a pot, the problem is that the blood will come out of the meat and go back into the meat. So when you have to do normal malicha, like salting of meat that we do to kosher the meat to get the blood out, that's called salting likdeira because you're going to put it in a pot and you have to get all of the blood out. Whereas if you're going to put it over a fire, then the blood is going to come out and it's going to go on the ground. So therefore, you don't really need to salt it to remove the blood. Everybody get that? That's why you know how you used to make like liver, right? Is that you wouldn't salt it and you would grill it and the blood would just fall through. So Tosa says, but the Gemara still talks about salting it for for, for roasting. Why didn't you salt it for roasting? The, the fire will get it all out. So Tosa always goes out of his way to say, you don't have, we're not talking that you have to salt it for halachic reasons, to get out the blood. That you don't have to do. It's just what they would normally do is before they would roast it. They put on a little salt and that's what it's referring to, okay? But it's not for a halakhic reason. But again, that's worth underscoring here as well. Because when it says you could salt it with flea, means a little bit of salt, not a lot of salt. So I think we have to assume that even when the salt falls on the skin, it's only a small amount, and therefore it is not really considered ibud, and that's why we allow it. Okay, so it does have some positive effect, but not enough to be considered ibud. Okay, so now the Gemara goes on. So that Beit Shammai agrees with. And now he spells it out. Only enough for roasting, a small amount of salt. The amount that you would need for the pot to really get out all the blood, low, not. Because that would really be like, like doing ibud, working, tanning the leather. So much as she said, it's obvious. With sleet, it's not. It says for roasting. That he's telling us is, even if you're doing it for roasting, if you're putting on so much salt that if you're almost at the stage of the amount of salt you would put on for actually getting the blood out, you're just putting on a lot of salt because you like your meat salty. But if it's a lot, and it's, it's no longer the minimum that you put on normally for roasting, it's getting to the stage of the quantity people normally put on for getting the blood out, then that is also forbidden. So it's really just underscoring. It has to be just a very minimal amount of salt that we would allow. Tanu Rabbanan, a rabbi's taught. Ein mochin So now you shechted your animal. We've discussed how you make sure that the leather doesn't go to waste. According to Beishilo, you put it in front of people that are going to walk on it. According to Beishamai, maybe you salt it while the meat is still on it. But now what you have is you've got your, the fat. Now obviously not the fat parts that you can't eat, but you've got the intestines and you've got all this stuff, which apparently you need to salt or else they will also go to waste. That seems to be the reality. Now the problem is you don't put intestines down for people to walk on. <laughs> so what are you going to do to make it not go to waste? Now the problem is be, but why is that a problem? I mean, if it's something that you would eat, that's yeah. not ibud, right? That's something that you salt it with. It's part of the way you, it's, it's just the part, you know, it's food. The Gemara says, ain't ibud ba'ochlin. There's no concept of ibud by food. So the Ron says, and I don't exactly know the Messias, but he says, look, these fats are not, are not classic food. Like maybe some people eat like cow brains or something, but a lot of people don't. And therefore, since they're not like fully in the category of food, there actually is a problem of doing too much malicha on them for preserving them. That might actually be considered ibud. So, so, what? Yeah? Oh, a dog might eat 
Uh, okay, that's true. But I guess, so that's an interesting question. We would say ain't ibud by something that's only vore lachilachtela. But again, nobody's saying that it, you know, people would eat this. Like people do eat cow brains and intestines and so on. But again, whether it's a rabbinic problem of ibud, Rashi makes it sound like it's a biblical problem of ibud by these kalavim. Yes. So sorry, meaning because people would eat this with less salt? No, because people not it's not classically food. Like a lot of people don't eat it, and therefore, if it's not classically food, the putting of salt on it to change its state and to preserve it or whatever could fall into the category of ebud. So you're only allowed to put in a little bit of salt, and then you get it. Or something. Yeah, I mean, if you're just putting right the type of salt that's not gets to the stage of kidei ebud, correct? But, but you know, but let's say you if it's regular meat. You want to put an excessive amount of salt. Yeah, that's not right. Right. no, that's not a problem. That's ain't ibud Okay, so the ain mahapchim behem. You don't like turn them around. Again, this is something you would do. You would stir them. You would do things in order to make sure that they would not go to waste. So, what exactly is the problem of mahapchim? Apparently, that's just an issue of like muktsa to some degree, which again shows the question of how much are they really considered to be food. Okay. So, Rishum Rebbe Yoshua Amru Shoshchan Beruach Agabi Yitzidot. You can spread them out in the wind, uh, like you know, hang them, like hang them by pins, like hang them like like laundry, I guess. And that that way, you're not doing anything halachically wrong, and it'll preserve it to some degree, and therefore, again, it won't be an impediment for you to shat. How do they describe? I'm surprised about this because I don't get stuffed intestines. What do they describe, Charlie? The chalavim? Do they describe? Because chalavim literally doesn't mean intestines. All it means is fat. You know, intestines are actually technically b'nai me'ayim. I'm saying chalavim because I'm trying to understand what we're talking about. But I mean, unless it is the kosher fat of the animal, but then what do you do? Why is that? The word actually is shuma, not chela. Yes. Look, the other possibility is it's talking about the forbidden chela, which would really explain why it's not food and why it has an evil problem. But then, what, what are you doing with it? Like, may, I mean, what used to it? And what, what does it mean to dry out the fat? Isn't it this like gelatinous mass? I mean, I don't. So I'm not exactly getting that it. That you can't feed animals. Uh, no, Caleb is Mutter Bahana. But Oh, you mean not that you want to use it, you just want to prevent it from smelling. Maybe. That's interesting. Okay. So I really don't get but again, again, but if it's if it's real Caleb, I don't what does it mean to spread it out by pegs? How are you you know I, I I'm maybe you could they spread it out on a blanket. I'm not fully getting this. Okay, I'm a Rav Masna. Hello, Rav Yoshua. We rule like Rav Yoshua that you're allowed to hang it in the wind. Igadami, um, uh, some say, I'm a Rav Masna. Ain't Allah, Rav Yoshua. We all pass like him. You're not even allowed to do that. I get if you say that he's going out of his way to pass him that way. It's true. You need to tell me that. I would have thought, you know, Rav Masna by the uh, hanging it in the wind, excuse me, Rav Yoshua hanging it in the wind, he's a das yachid. The rabbis say you can do nothing with it, so I would have assumed we rule like the rabbis. So So he's going out of his way to say, in this case, we pass him like this das yachid. But if you say we don't rule like him, Peter, of course we don't rule like him. We would normally assume we go like the majority opinion over the minority one. Why would he go out of his way to reject the minority opinion? So he says, um, I might have thought, Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua's reason makes sense. And now we see why we might, why we might actually pass him like him. The low shari slave, you don't give him some allowance, Meaning of Lo Shachin, he'll withhold himself and he won't shach. 
Right? That's the larger context here. What is the latitude we have to give you in order to make it possible for you to shech? Tamash Malan. So then he might be saying, no, even though we understand that, and we'll give you some latitude when it comes to the skin, we will not give you la- uh, the leather, we will not give you latitude when it comes to the chaylev. So that is now the question, how much latitude do we give you? But again, exactly what the reality is here about the chaylev. Again, the simple, I, I was uh, translating it as intestine, the simple translation is genuinely the forbidden fats, but then I have like no idea what you're doing with them, and no idea how you're hanging them in the wind. Okay. Now the Gemara says, umay shnami orli son. Okay, now let's talk about that. Why do you give latitude by the leather and you have it, you can put it according to Shaysil or by people that will walk on it and you don't give any latitude by the Chaylet? So the says, no. Hasam lo mukhacham nilsa. There, it's not like blatantly obvious what's going on. Mishum dechazi lemizgale. It's something that, a piece of skin, it's something that you could use to sit on. You could use as a mat. So yes, we let you do it, but it's not like if people see it, they don't say, oh, look, he's, he's tanning his leather on Yuntas. You know, it looks like a mask. People aren't, it's not so evident what's going on. Yeah, but you're not calling people to walk on it. You know, you're putting it out by the front door. You say to the show, would you guys like to use a mat, uh, this special mat I've got to you right for four Yuntas? And you put it out, and then everybody walks on it as they're coming into show. Okay? But it's not evident what's happening. Um, and therefore, that's why we give you that latitude. Ha ha, here, you'll see a hanging sack out on the clothesline <laughs> so I'll <laughs> people will say my time is Shar or he'll say forget other people you'll say my time is Charlie Rabbanon why the rabbis let me sort of dry out the fats in order there you go in order that they shouldn't spoil so what, what difference would it make once they're giving me that latitude what difference would it make to, on the one hand to spread them out or why don't I just have a I'll do it easier next time I'll do I'll salt it and that will be a problem because that will be an issue of Ibud so there when it's sort of you know you it's quite fascinating by the way because again it sort of shows how actions even if we intellectually know things how our own actions have, a, have like a profounder impact on us right so you might know in the case to the skin that you're doing it in order to preserve the skin but at the experiential level if you're using it as a map you're not going to go ahead and translate that and think now that you can go ahead and solve it but in the other case with, but by the fact the fact that you're doing it in a way which is about preserving them you know will, you will sort of you know impact you and you'll interpret it and therefore you will you, you'll interpret your own actions and you'll give yourself latitude to do things you should not be doing okay Amar Yehud Amar Shmuel so you've got now your pieces of meat in front of you well, let's move away from the skin and the meat and now we've got other problems preserving the meat okay so are you allowed to preserve the meat on Yantav it's a salt that's a preserving you're not going to eat all of it so he says you can salt many different pieces of meat um, and you will say well uh, I don't know maybe I'll need a hundred pieces of meat even though in the end you're really only going to use one Okay, so that you're allowed to do, and obviously your intention is that you want the other stuff salted to be preserved. So the Gemara says, with um, Ava, so um, um, says Ma'arim Umalach Garma Garma. No, we don't let you um, go ahead and you know do it in a way which clearly you're doing other thing, you know, other pieces of meat just to preserve them. What you do is you have a piece of meat and you say, ah, oh, this is what I'm going to use for yantav, and you salt it. Or today it's yantav already, and then you think, you know what? I don't like this piece of meat so much. Here, I'll use this piece of meat, and then you go through that process with every piece of meat, and therefore that's somehow less giving you a blanket allowance. Now you could say. In 
isn't that encouraging you know you to find loopholes and be deceptive within halacha which is a problem look talking about harama this is a big issue now we're up to Pesach about selling your chametz you know there were a lot of uh, postings that were very much against selling your chametz what is it trying to do a trick against the system and there are times though that halacha recognizes harama and even suggests it like well, here it was almost like a harama well yeah, I'm not talking about a whole institution but I'm talking about anyway we can, de- we can debate what is in that category but anyway there are times but I would say the benefit of Harama here is that it forces you, even on the one hand you're sort of manipulating the system, but it forces you each time to acknowledge the system. Meaning if every time I'm salting it and I have to say I'm doing this because I'm, I, I, I'm right now intending you know, to have this for, for, for youngsters, every time you do it you're acknowledging that you can't be salting the meat unless you're doing it for the sake of eating. So even though at the same time you're doing a trick, you're saying, nah, I don't want it, I'll do the next one, and you know you're doing a trick, but you're also reinforcing the parameters that it can only be done for the sake of eating on yantis. As opposed to just having ten pieces of meat and salting them all, that's almost like, you know, challenging those boundaries and sort of conveying the message that you can salt it to preserve it. So that's like an interesting question. If we want to let you do it, let's start by the assumption we want to let you do it, which is the case here. Like you could start by saying we don't want to. But you start with the assumption we, you want to let you do it because we have to give you latitude because we want you to chef the meat. We want you to have meat on youngsters. What's the better way? Is the better way to do it in a way that actually goes over some of the boundaries or a way that accepts the boundaries and does tricks? And that's the, ba- the debate here about whether you do this harama or not. So you can yes. do that even if you pass the meat, the pieces, the slice, whatever. You know you're going to eat. Because let's say, ah, I don't want this and do the other one and go back to what you saw before. Is it really like, you know, you haven't really decided which one, and each one of them can really be a contender. I'm sorry, one more time? With this harama. So even let's say, you know, you have ten pieces there and you know who one you're going to take. Right. You've already passed it. Yeah, and then you could say, oh, you know what, I'm going to go back. Yeah, sure. Oh, I changed my mind again. I'll go back to that. Okay, but anyway, now, by the way, this is an interesting issue about what is the problem of salting meat. Meat actually is food, but you're now salting it to preserve it, not to make it food. So Rashi here doesn't say the problem is evil. Rashi says the problem is, again, tircha. You know, go doing effort, and it is a lot of effort to salt all this stuff, for stuff that is not about simchas yantav and not that something that you're going to eat. It's actually to preserve it for abstinence. You could also throw in hachana. But not necessarily hachana. That's an interesting question. Because you're doing it so that it doesn't waste. Like, you know... People, for example, in Shalat Shuddit, they say, like, you know, say, some people, like, won't put stuff back in the fridge because it's a chana for the weekday. You know, on lunch you put it in the fridge because you could have it later Shabbat. But Shalat Shuddit is over and there's no time left to benefit. Why are you putting it in the fridge other than you want it for the weekday? And so, no. First of all, I'm putting it in the fridge so that my table doesn't look messy, number one. And number two, I'm putting it in the fridge so it doesn't spoil. That's not for the weekday. Yes. I will use it later, but I'm doing it now to prevent spoilage. So it's an interesting question. Is salting the meat, like 95% of the meat you're not going to use today? Is salting it hachana or salting it preventing spoilage? So Rashi doesn't say hachana. Rashi just says it's tircha. And tircha that's not immediately for the benefit of young dough. And therefore, how do we manipulate that? Do we either give you latitude? The one piece you're going to meet, you can do a thousand pieces if the one piece you're going to eat is among them. Or do we do this trick of one by one, I plan to eat it and then change your mind. How yes. is the difference in, uh, than cooking on the first day of for the second day of Yantah? Yeah, you're not allowed to take a little taste yes. of it. Okay, so I mean, we'll discuss that when we get to it, but that's also basically if it's like a, a larger amount in one pot. You cannot do multiple pots if your first pot is big enough for your real needs. And here, this is like multiple pots. There's, you know, multiple different distinct things. It's not all one type of thing. 
Let's take a look now at the next mission. Beit Shammai says, um, Ein is a tree in Biyanta. You cannot remove the tree sim. Like tree sim is what they call now the shutters in Israel, or with those big, heavy, you know, things that you pull down. But here, the way it basically functioned was you have like a little shop, and you know, like now, you know, they've got the big thing you pull down in front of the shop. But basically, the way it worked was was that you would take off that that big shutter thing, and you would it would fold over, and it would become something like a, a booth, a counter in front of a shop. So now we want to give you a certain latitude to do this. Now it's not so clear why you're not supposed to do commerce on youngsters, but same like we wanted to give you latitude to chef meat, we want to give latitude because people will wake up on youngsters and they'll realize, oh my God, I forgot to buy the uh, oregano. I forgot to get whatever. And guess what you're allowed to do? You can go to your nice firm Jewish store person who happens to be sitting by his counter on Yontiv and just say, um, I'm going to I'm gonna take some oregano, okay? And so that's fine. We'll remember that after Yontiv. And then afterwards you pay him. And because I'll actually let you, you know, take, take stuff, buy stuff from the store without payment on Yontiv if you needed it for your Sudas Yontiv. It's quite fascinating how much latitude they gave you. You know, in a way you could see that they're following the Torah's uh, direction. Because the Torah says, The Torah was willing to waive certain malachos, like cooking and fire, to let you do stuff on Yontem. So they're also willing to be a little bit more flexible. So therefore, that's why you would want to do it. But Beishan says, no, I'm drawing the line. Shechting, you can shech, whatever. But even there, we saw how many restrictions Beishan might put. But I'm not letting you take off this uh, tree sim here, okay? Now again, he might let you go to the store if the, if the thing is already constructed, but he's not going to let you go ahead and construct this thing. So Beitil says, not only do I let you put it up, take it down and set it up, but now once you're done, I'm going to let you restore it and put the shutter so back. Because it will, we'll discuss that. Because if you don't let the guy put it back, he won't take it, he off. Won't take it off in the first place. Okay, so let's take a look at the Gemara. My Trisim, what is the scenario of Trisim? Amarula Trise Chanios. These shutters for stores for the reason I said. There were three things the rabbis let you do what you needed to do in the end in order to make it possible for you to do the thing in the first place. The Eluhim, these are they. Or at least had Dorsan. So the, the leather in front of the, the people that will trample it, right? So we had to allow that, although it was a, maybe a mutza issue, and it certainly was a trick in a way to preserve the leather, but if we didn't let you do that, you wouldn't shaft your behemoth. You wouldn't let the leather go to waste. So we let you do so fun. This is the so fun, the putting the skin and have people trample on it, you shouldn't do lots of to allow, to encourage you or make it possible for you to shaft. The tree se the uh, shutters of the stores, we let you restore them in order that you will, uh, in order to make it possible for you to take them down. The Chazaris Riti of the Mikdash. And putting a, a bandage back on in the Beit HaMikdash. What's the story? You, Cohen has a bandage on. You can't do the Avoda with a bandage. It's a Chatitza. It's Shabbos. So he takes the bandage off. But he won't take the bandage off and do the Avoda unless you let him put the bandage back on. So we're going to let him put the bandage back on in order to make it possible for him to take the bandage off. What would be the problem? The problem would be a concern that when you put on certain salves and whatever, it might be an issue of mimareach, of smoothing. So we're not going to be concerned that that will happen and we'll let him put the bandage back on in order to allow him to take the bandage off. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Uh, where were we? Uh, I'm a Rebbe Yehuda. Alpha Potei Chaviso 
even one who opens up the barrel and begins in the dough um, for the sake of the reg- of, of the regel, the liba de Rebbe Yehuda. Now here's the real Rebbe Yehuda. According to the Tan Rebbe Yehuda, the Amar Yigmor. You can finish it. What's this case? So this is actually a very beautiful teaching that the Gemara in the end of Chagiga teaches, which is that during the regel, based on a pasuk of Kol Yisrael Chaverim or Kol Yishachad Chaverim, that whole the whole idea of regel is you know everybody comes up to Yerushalayim and it's the unity of the people. The Chazal actually basically waves the concerns about Tuma and Ame Haaretz. Meaning, tumor concerns when they were, you know, real tumor, not obviously if they didn't wait. But the general way of treating the ame ha'ares as default tame, and anything they touch is tame. You know, imagine you have trying to get everybody to come to Yerushalayim, and then when most of the people are ame ha'ares, <laughs> and you know, and then they are sort of being, oh no, no, don't touch my food, stay away. You know, you can walk in, but keep your hands closed. You know, keep your hands behind your back. Right? Obviously, it's not going to encourage the sense of people coming in a sense of unity. Mm-hmm. So, you can't have like this disqualified class. So, therefore, they said, fine. For the regal, we're going to assume that the Amiharis are not coming, and things they touch are not a problem. Very wonderful. Okay, now it's after the regal. Now, the Amiharis came to your store, and he tasted a little bit of wine. I don't know, maybe he poured back the rest, or he touched some, uh, some dough, you know, that was being made into bread. And during the regal, not a problem. Now it's after the rego. How do you treat your wine that he touched on the rego? So the Chachamim said, oh, now it's tummy. <laughs> what if it comes after the rego? And he, even though he touched it on the rego, now it's tummy. Rabbi Yehuda says, Rabbi Yehuda says, no. If, you, if, if it started on the rego and he touched it on the rego, it's not going to become tummy after. It's going to retain its tavor status. Okay, you, there was a question, David? No, no, I'm just following the logic it's wild like how much yeah. are people going to want to let the Amayars in their store if after the yeah. regal but you know if they do enough business they'll let them in the store say. All right. anyway so now let's take a look so it says like this um so that's according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Chachamim don't agree, but according to Rabbi Yehuda said, you can finish, more. you can finish the wine, you can finish the dough, even after the regal, and you don't have to be concerned that it was touched on the regal. Al-Gav HaRegal means... Uh, you know, right, in the context of the regal, right, as part of... Uh, okay. <laughs> Interesting story. Yeah, exactly, it is. Okay, now the Gemara goes like this. Or at least they have Now the Gemara is again, again sort of saying, what's the chit? Orly Sneadorsen, the leather in front of the people of the walker, of the people that will trample. Tanina, it's in the mission that says you can do it. Of course we're allowing you to allow you to shaft. No. I might have thought Maybe it's not a special allowance to make it easy to shaft. Maybe Bakiro really fundamentally feels there's not a problem. It's not muksa because it's fit for lying on and for sitting on. It's not a problem to have people walk on it inadvert you know, you know, unknowingly. Um Fundamentally, it's not a problem. And if it's not a special allowance to allow you to check, but it's fundamentally not a problem, then you'll have, then you'll be allowed to do it even in more cases. Even if you shechted your animal on Arab Yantav, maybe Beit Hillel will let you do this. You see, here's the difference. If we only allow you to do these things to make it possible to do the thing in the beginning, we're only going to allow it in the, the circumstances where, um, where, you know, it was necessary to make it possible to do the first thing. But in the case of shechting it before Yantav, 
you didn't, I, I, there was no problem. I could have shifted and I could have de- dealt with the leather before Yantif. So will you let me deal with the leather on Yantif? No, no, no. We're only letting people who shift on Yantif deal with the leather, not the people who shift before Yantif. That, so, but I might have thought that Beitillo's position is based that fundamentally it's not a problem. And therefore they'd let you go ahead and do this even if you shifted before Yantif. Kamach Malan, that's not true. We only allow the end, the leather, to in order to enable the shafting. So we're only going to allow it in cases when in, 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 in actuality did shaft on Yantav itself. Yantav in the area of Yantav low. Only when you shaft it on Yantav itself. Let's look at the second case. The shutters. It's also Mamishnah. So obviously it's uh, based on allowing the end because of the beginning. No. That it's not, there's no, fundamentally, there's no problem here. There's no idea of constructing and destroying vessels. And it's not a, a malacha problem. Now, what is the idea of vessels? So this idea, this booth, is like a freestanding booth. It's not like a part of a, of a building and a structure. Again, you have to imagine, I don't know, you have to imagine that you had some type of a, some, lo- some type of a movable thing, right, like the lunch cart, that would be a good, an excellent example, like the lunch cart, some type of a movable thing that you would then open up and construct and then put back. Okay? So, is there a problem here? So, this is considered a vessel, it's not a structure, and there's a general principle that the classic idea of binion is doing something to a structure, adding something to your house, Building, building a permanent structure on the ground, or in terms of vessels, you could do if you made a vessel that might be maka the package, like the final hammer blow. But let's say you didn't make a vessel from scratch. You took a vessel that uh, something fell off and you fixed it and you put it back, right? You have some toy or you have some device and the the back, uh, you know, whatever, some piece falls off and you're going to put it back in. Is that a problem of opinion or not? So that's the issue, and the Gemara is saying, <coughs> binyan became with it. it's not a problem. Now, does that mean there's never an issue with it? Like, can I screw in, you know, some piece? No, maybe with screws or nails it is, but a basic fixing of a, of a thing that fell apart would be, binyan became and would not be a problem. So maybe that's Beethoven's position. And Beethoven says, you know what? Taking it down, putting it back, Shira being in the whole thing, fundamentally not a problem. I'm not allowing you to do it to make it, to make it easy for you to open your store. I'm allowing you to do it because it's fundamentally not a problem. Maybe that's the reason. Now, debating does not mean do it. Doesn't mean means, doesn't mean shutters of the house. It means it means vessel, vessels of the house. So if they're letting me deconstruct and reconstruct this uh, store, maybe it's a blanket allowance because it's not a problem at all. And then for when the back of my, I don't know, of my, what would be an example? I don't know, the leg of my table falls off, I'd be able to put it back because they feel says there's no binyan b'kelev. Hamash Malan, that that's not true. They're only giving you that allowance to make it possible to open your store. The chanunios in the shutters and the, of the of the stores you can do the bottom low, but for vessels of the house you do not have this latitude. Now, Tosas and Rashi both say it's not that we pass in yesh binyan b'kelev, because it's so it would be a malacha, and they tell it would never allow a malacha. 
What they say is, yes, we talked in Ainbidim Bekevim, but rabbinically, we're still going to forbid it. Rabbinically, you don't go ahead fixing your cable and fixing your, you know, the, the things that fall off of your boxes and so on on Shabbat on Yantav. That at least is a rabbinic problem. But here they say, well, we'll waive the rabbinic problem in order to let you, in order to make it possible to open your store on Yantav. Like, I mean, like if a picture falls off the wall. I'm yeah, well, well, pictures are, are whatever, considered hanging in that part of the structure. Anyway, I don't want to go. Okay. Anyway, so, um, I do want to point out something about Hitiyosov and Mishim Kulas. Now, this is a big issue about letting doctors drive home after they have to drive yeah. to the hospital on Shabbos and Rav Moshe basically allows it based on the idea of Sof and Mishum Tzilof and it also was going to come up in Rosh Hashanah where they had wanted to get the witnesses to travel to testify and then they let them go back. The problem is is that all of the obvious examples are where they're allowing Durabana, not the Orisos. So if how could you therefore allow somebody to violate the Orisa of driving back in order to encourage them to do it in the first place? I mean, the argument would be, if you won't do it in the first place, this is all part of the Pituach Nefesh allowance, right? Even though you've already saved the person, mm-hmm. but it's all a ne- it remains a necessary part in the macro sense of what you need to do for Pituach Nefesh. But anyway, it's important to note that these Gemaras are Durabanan, so Rashi and Totsos both say, it's true, but nevertheless, Durabanan is a problem, and that we're going to allow in order to help you open this door. Okay. So the is like this, returning the uh, poultice, the uh, bandage in the mikdash, we also taught, you can put the bandage back on in the base of mikdash, but not outside the base of mikdash, so clearly it's a special allowance in order to enable him to do the aboda. No, says Gemara, I might have said the reason is not because to allow this Kohen to do the aboda. Maybe fundamentally, right, we say there's no Durabanans of Shabbos in the Beis HaMikdash. Now we say that and then we say except for all the times there are Durabanans of Shabbos. So that's what the Gemara says. I might have thought this is categorically not a problem because fundamentally we are, are generally waive Durabanans of Shabbos in the Beis HaMikdash. And our people claim to allow our Avoda, and maybe we would allow it even for a Kohen that's not doing the Avoda. Balmum, it's not his day. Maybe fundamentally it's not a problem in the Beis HaMikdash. Kamash Malan, that no, this is basically a problem. This is one of the things we don't allow. And in general, a normal Kohen who's not doing the Avoda isn't allowed to put back the bandage. Only he see himself on Mishum Chilasan. Only we only allow the end because of the beginning. The bar Avoda in the lab bar Avoda low. Somebody who's doing the Avoda, we allow it to enable him to do the Avoda, to take it off, but not somebody who's not doing the Avoda. Okay, last case. Opening the barrel and continuing to use it after the regal, we also taught. Somebody who opens a barrel of wine or starts a whole loaf of you know, dough on the regal, and again, will touch it during the regal. So if you don't want to eat more, you can finish uh, you know, eating from it. You treat it as tougher. They say don't. So, you see there, obviously, he's allowing it to make it possible to do it. No. Which, by the way, would have been the natural thing to assume. Once the rabbis are saying it's not a problem on the ragel, it means, fundamentally, we're viewing it as though they're tahor, and it remains that way. So therefore, maybe Rebbe Yudah's reason is not to make it possible to do it. Maybe his reason is that, fundamentally, they, they, they're, they're considered tahor. So, um, even if you didn't start eating from the uh, dough, you know, anything they touched, he happens to walk into your store and touch a million things. Maybe even something that you didn't sort of go, you know, go your way to open the package and to begin or to start eating from and so on. 
Mashmalan, that this is not a blanket statement that there's no concept of Tumah. It's, we're only allowing it in the case to enable you to do it at the outset. And therefore, we'll only allow the case where you actually began selling it and, he, you know, and, and began eating from it. That's what we'll allow, let's say that it's not a problem afterwards. But otherwise, it will be a problem. So again, it's very bizarre. I mean, at least I mean, you would give a pretty broad allowance, but the Chachamim who don't, you really wonder, you know, how you know how that will impact the whole treatment of the Ami Hard, which is what we're trying to address. Anyway, okay. So now the Gemara says like this: Ula my time When Ula said his three things, why didn't he say this fourth thing about the uh, wine and the and the dough? But look, so lo He doesn't want to talk about things that are debated, and that was a debate of Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim. This is also debated. So Beit Shammai disagrees with the letter. No. And Beit Shammai disagrees with the store. Beit Shammai ain't a Mishnah. That's not a real debate. Beit Shammai, in the place of Beit Shammai, it's like it's not even another opinion. We know that we're not going to rule like Beit Shammai. So, okay. So it's like it's unique. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. Let's just finish this up. Our Mishnah about the shutters is not like the following Tana. The Tanya is on the Raisa. I'm Reb Shimon Elezer. Modi Beishamai Beitilo Shemisakin is the chief of Yomzov. Actually, Beishamai and Beitilo agree you are allowed to remove it. So Beishamai concedes that you can do the removal, right? Like he concedes you can shech the animal. So that actually becomes more parallel to the other debate. Beishamai allows the initial thing, he doesn't allow what comes after. They only debate returning it. Fine. So that's interesting to have it that they're only debating it, returning it, which makes it parallel to the other things. Last qualification. When are they debating that Beitilo um, is giving his allowance or Beitilo is not giving the allowance that there is a hinge. If there's no hinge, everybody would agree it's permissible, which means, like, and as we'll see, Oh, look, it is working a little bit. Right? So you know sometimes if you have these things, for me it's like, well, like the backs of toys or whatever fall off, right? You know, and you get this like door thing that you have to put into this like whatever, mm-hmm. right? And it's got these little pegs mm-hmm. and it's got these like holes here and you got to squeeze it and push it or whatever into the bag. That's like a case of yesh lehensir, okay? Or, you know, it has to, or you could imagine just a case that it had an actual like hinge and you would put a peg, you'd put a peg in to hold it in. That's like a real type of opinion, even if it's not permanent and even if it's not involved screwing, but it's, you know, putting a hole in a peg and so on. That's a problem that, that's the case where it's a real, it's a bigger issue. So Beit Shammai, so he says, they're only debating the cases where it has a hinge. But if there's a way that you can deconstruct and reconstruct without any hinges and, and, you know, and pegs into holes, just by fitting things tightly in a particular way, then everybody would say it's okay. So much as one minute. That time we taught a brisa that says the same distinction of pegs or not pegs, but in but it's more machmir. When do they debate? And they still says it's allowed. The she'en lahensir when there's no hinge. Oh yes, lahensir when there is a hinge. Dibar go after even they tell it would So everybody agrees the hinge is worse. The question is, is that are they? Does everybody agree without a hinge, or are they debating without a hinge? And everybody agrees with the hinge. It's a problem. So Amar Baye, so Baye says there are two types of hinges. So Sheishlem Tzir if it's got a hinge on the side, Dibar Kol Asa, I mean, which means like something like this, okay, like, you know, the hinge sort of goes in at the top and the bottom and it sort of holds the thing in, that's the type of thing that everybody would say is a In this case, like, <laughs> everybody would say is a 
So, um, and that one, so when we say everybody agrees that with the hinge it's forbidden, we mean that case. Okay, where it's the hinge from the side and it's a tight fit. Amen, circle, Iker, when do we say without a hinge, everybody agrees it's allowed? That's when there's literally no hinge, it's just fitting things tightly. So when we say with a hinge, they debate, or without a hinge, they debate, what we mean to say is a middle case of a hinge. That's where they debate. It's a hinge in the middle. You know, again, I'm not exactly assuming it, but I don't know. Let's say you had something, and you put a little, like, door into something, and maybe you put, like, some, like, like a peg across yeah. like that. Right. Okay? So that's not the same type of gilding as, like, when you're putting it here on the side, and you put it, and so on. So that's the, that's the middle case. And that's where everybody agrees. Okay, Marsever, Gazrin, and Sirba, Emsa, Atsid, One says, of that case, we're going to have to disallow because of the case of the hinge at the edges. Marsara, Lo, Gazrin, and no, we don't have to disallow it. We will allow it in order for Simchus Yantiv, for you to take it apart, and for you to put it back together. The question, when it does have a hinge on the side, is that going to be a Doraisa of Binyan? Or are we going to say, no, Ain Binyan Bekalin, even there, and even this is a rabbinic problem, that's not so clear. But the bottom line is, there's some aspect, at least a Durabonan aspect of Binyan, which a Hillel is allowing, and allowing you to put it back also, so from Mishim Chilasan, and Ben Shammai does not. Okay? That's a